Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. It's Monday, April 5th. 2021. This is Josh Caldwell, Lifeline's Vice President of International Ministries. Today we're continuing our study of the book of 1 Thessalonians. We are going to look specifically at chapters 2, uh, verses 17 through 20, and we're going to look at chapter 3, verses 6 through 10. Uh, We're going to continue our focus today on Paul. Um, We're going to look at his love for the church and what we can learn from his love for the church. Uh, Last week, Herbie taught on how God's word is with us and it work in us. Uh, Such an enriching time of learning about that through God's word. And today we're going to continue in our study of 1 Thessalonians, but we're going to be thinking about the church and looking at Paul's love for the church. So um, if you will follow along with me, 1 Thessalonians 2, 17 through 20, Paul's longing to see them again. Verse 17, but since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Now, 1 Thessalonians 3, 6 through 10, Timothy's encouraging report. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. So as we look back at these first set of verses in uh, 1 Thessalonians 2, 17 through 20, Paul is expressing this deep longing and this love for the church at Thessalonians, at Thessalonica. And these verses we see Paul is not with them. So let's think back and let's look back in Acts uh, verses seven, uh, chapter 17, verses 1 through 10 to see how Paul was forced out of Thessalonica. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as it was his custom, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for Christ to suffer and rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. This is a beautiful picture of Uh, Paul on mission and evangelism. This is kind of a side note as we get into our uh, Bible study today. I just want us to think about this, that he went, he was going, he was 
Um, he had passed through and he was on his way and he went to the synagogue. He was on mission. He was going. And then what did he do when he was there? He shared the word. He shared the scripture. He reasoned with them with the scripture. And then what was he saying? He was proclaiming Christ. And so as a kind of a side note for us to think about and look at, I really am encouraged with these words and just reminded of the importance and the calling on our life to go to uh, share the word and proclaim Christ. And then in verse four, and some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women, but the Jews were jealous in taking some wicked men of the rabble. They formed a mob, mob, set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out of the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down, have come here also, and Jason has received them, and they are acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king, Jesus. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let him go. Verse 10, the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue again going. He got, he just got kicked out of Thessalonica for preaching the good news of Christ crucified. And now he is in Berea and he is entering where? Another Jewish synagogue. He is not just entering for entering sake. He's going to preach the good news. So let us use this uh, scripture as a side lesson today as we get into First Thessalonians, but let's use this as an encouragement to us to go and to preach and to proclaim Christ. So let's look back at our verses now in First Thessalonians 2, 17 through 20. He, he has only known the Thessalonians for a few months. Um, he has been away from them uh, for a short time. Um, he longed for them. Paul loved the church. And we see this many times in scripture, but his love for the church was deep. And so I want us to think about that for a few minutes and look at a few examples of his deep love. First in Romans 1, 7 through 12. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing, I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, but both yours and mine. And then we see in Ephesians 6, 21 through 24, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. The beloved brother of a faithful minister and the Lord will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that we and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers. Love with faith from God, the Father and Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with the love that is incorruptible. And then we see in Philippians 1, 3 through 8, I thank my God in all of my remembrances of you, 
always in every prayer of mine, you are all making my prayer with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For for God is my witness how I yearn for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. This language is just so heartfelt and so deep that he is so thankful for his brothers and sisters in the church. In Colossians 1, uh, 3 through 12, we always thank God the Father, the Lord Jesus, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith of Jesus and we love that you all, that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of this, you have heard before the word of the truth of the gospel, which he has come to you. As indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing as it is also among you. Since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you have learned it from Epaphras or our beloved servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. There's just some really powerful language with Paul and his love for the church. At the end of Romans, we see Paul list out people that he had served with. In each of these letters, we see Paul, even in his rebuking or calling out of people, he does that out of love. And these are um, just like these accounts. He loved the church at Thessalonica. And we see in verse 17, he calls them brothers, right? He, he uses this deep family-centered word to show his love for them. We also see in verse 17, he uses these strong words about them being torn away. This language that is so strong, and even in other translations, using the word orphan there to show the separation between Paul and the church was serious, like serious, like a child losing his parent. Uh, uh, Just another reason this is a difficult um, of him being away is he was a, show, a relatively short time. He, We know that in other places that he was there for more months and even years, um, and he wanted to stay with Thessalonica longer. And another reason that this longing was there is because of his sense of responsibility. And, and we know that he had daily pressure for the concerns of all the churches. And we see that in 2 Corinthians 11. That concern was his his felt responsibility of the short time of being with them and this deep connection of wanting to see them face to face. So he, Paul, has a deep connection, deep longing to be with this church. He feels this sense of responsibility. And then we see in verse 18 here that Paul recognizes that the enemy is hindering him. How many times do we see this through scripture of the mentions of the enemy against the kingdom? Matthew 13, 19, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in the heart. And this is the seed along the path. We see in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. 
Ephesians 6, 11. We've all heard this, this verse, put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against what? The devil's schemes. This word hindered here in verse 18 is a Greek word, ekopta, is a, is a term that means to cut off, to impede one's course, to cut off the way. Think about that in this in light of Paul recognizing he is being hindered uh, by the evil one. Think about the enemy and his schemes against us. Does it feel like sometimes that we are on a road or a path and he is breaking up that road? He is trying to hinder the people of God. We also see in 1 Peter 5, 8, to be alert and sober-minded for the enemy as the devil is prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Um, at, at Lifeline, we have pregnancy counselors and state directors and adoption team members. And as we think about them, I, we are encouraging them to, to, to think about that, you know, the, the, the enemy is trying to break up that road of them getting to a woman that they need to share um, the gospel of Christ with. The, the enemy would love for us to be busy and to get so busy that we are distracted from the gospel purposes in front of you. And today you may be listening to this and thinking that same thing, that that the enemy is trying to hinder you. Um, and I would encourage you to stand firm in Christ. So we see Paul's love for the church. We see that he acknowledges that he was he he felt the um, the enemy hindering him. And then let's look at verses 19 through 20. We see this anticipation of Christ's return. He calls them his hope and joy and crown of blessing. And he wanted these that he was speaking to, to have a view of the world through the lens of Christ's return. Um, there's an exposition commentary on first and second Thessalonians, and it gives um, three ways, three promises of his coming that should impact us, the promise of his coming and the ways that it should impact us. And the first way that this exposition commentary shares that with us, um, it says, we do not have to allow the troubles of life to discourage us, that Christ will one day remove us from our trouble and take us to be with him. Um, and it, it goes on to say that we, like the Thessalonians, must fix our eyes eagerly toward heaven awaiting God's son. So we don't have to allow the troubles of this life to discourage us. It also goes on to say that we um, will be accountable to him when he comes. And we look and see in Matthew 25, 1 through 13, it says this, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the groom. Five of them were foolish and five were sensible. When the foolish took their lamps, they did not take olive oil with them, but the sensible ones took, all, took oil in their flask and their lamps. Since the groom was delayed, they all became drowsy and they fell asleep. In the middle of the night, there was a shout. Here's the groom. Come out and meet him. Then all of those virgins got up and trimmed their, lam their lamps. But the foolish ones said to the sensible ones, give us some of your oil because our lamps have gone out. And the sensible ones answered, no, there won't be enough for us and for you. Instead, go out to those who sell and buy oil for yourself. When they had gone to buy some oil, the groom arrived. And then those who were ready went in with them to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. And later 
the rest of the virgins also came and said, Master, Master, open up for us. But he replied, I assure you, I do not know you. Therefore, be alert because you do not know either the day or the hour. I think that is uh, a word today for us to hold on to that we don't know the day or the hour and that we will be held accountable for how we uh, live for Jesus. Um, And then the commentary goes on to share the third thing is that we don't have to right every wrong that is done to us, that um, God will exercise his righteous judgment at Christ's coming um, and that he is more than capable. And just thinking about that and that um, we must not forget what Paul told the Thessalonians about God's righteous judgment, that it is the righteousness of God to repay with affliction those who've afflicted you. Second Thessalonians 1, 6. So this uh, exposition commentary by Mark Howell, um, exalting Jesus in first and second Thessalonians is an important um, read for this that we are seeing. So let us transition as we are thinking about first Thessalonians 2, 17 through 20. And we're thinking about what Paul's love and his longing for the church. We see that he uh, acknowledged that he was hindered um, and he was hindered by the enemy and that he wanted to see them again and again um, face to face. And then we see that he points them to the coming of Jesus. So let's transition to 1 Thessalonians 3, 6 through 10. We'll start with verses 6 through 8. It says, But now that Timothy has come to us from you, he has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly as a long to, to see us, as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about your faith, through your faith. For now we live, and if you are standing fast in the Lord. And I love this. This is just a few pieces of good news here. We see this good news of their faith and their love. He reported that they, they remembered him kindly and that they also longed to see him. Isn't that awesome to think about that Paul's just deep longing for them, but they also longed to see them. And he uses that word again, brothers here, where he's using that deep family language to talk about them. Um, and, And he was distressed and afflicted, but through their faith, he felt comforted and he was energized. And Paul was energized when he came to a place and saw people standing firm in their faith. And we are to stand firm in our faith and to go back and remember what was said um, earlier about the enemy wanting to hinder us. Um, And Paul encourages us to stand firm in the faith. So look at verse nine. It says, for what thanksgiving can we return to God for you for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God? Paul is pointing to God for the thanks and all the joy of Timothy's report. Now let's think about verse 10 and it says, night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking your faith. This is uh, just in a deep uh, prayer time that he is talking about this this prayer is day and night right and it's earnest so he is thinking very very seriously he's thinking about uh, doing this passionately and he is doing it consistently and constantly is praying for them 
So I just want us to look at a few things that we can take away today from our time with Paul and, uh, you know, his love for the church, because it's important to think about that he was with them, like he was with those, the people of Thessalonica, even if it was for a short time. Philippians 2, 23 says, I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. He wanted to go and to be. And so we are to do that. We are to be with the church, meet as the church, be present with the church and in the church. Um, And in that way, we can love the church. Another way is that we can come alongside and serve the church. Um, And I think about ways that we can do that. Paul spent time serving um, the church. It's First Corinthians fifteen ten. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not. But the grace of God that was in me, pour our lives into the church, serve and love and disciple those around us, and let's grow together with our fellow brothers and sisters in the church. So I want us to think about that love for the church that Paul had and and how we can also love. So let's be with the church. Let's serve the church. And lastly, let's pray for the church and for our brothers and sisters. As Paul did here, as he talked about day and night, let us constantly be in prayer for the church, the, 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 the people, the the body of Christ. Let's be earnest and fervent in our prayer, deep, passionate prayer. Um, I feel like oftentimes we say, brother, I'm going to pray for you or sister, I will pray for you about that. But let us not be a people that just say those words, but let us be a people that go before our God, before our Lord, for the the church, the people around us, the body of Christ. Let us be those people that honor the Lord with our uh, our integrity as we are praying for those around us. So I just want us to remember that today to uh, let's be with the church, let's serve the church, and let's pray for the church. So let's do that now. Let's go to the Lord and remember these things. And I want us to take, just to do a quick exercise, I want you to think of uh, think of three people right now that you can write down on a note card, that you can write on a sticky note or in your phone. Think of three people that you could pray for um, consistently this week, that you could pray for, uh, not just in passing prayers, but take some time to devote to praying for them. Your family, your friends, the church, the people around you. Uh, find three people, write them down, and then pray consistently and constantly for them this week. So let's just take a few minutes and pray um, together, and then we will end our time today. Lord, thank you so much for your many blessings, Lord, and we are thankful for this opportunity to come before you to pray for our brothers and sisters that are listening today and the brothers and sisters that are around us um, that we are in contact with. Lord, I pray that we would be present with the church, with the body of Christ. I pray that we would find ways to put ourselves in positions to be present, to be there, to 
come alongside to hold the hands of the weak that are in our congregations to um, to lay a hand and pray for those that are in need. Lord, I pray that we would be with the church. I also pray, Lord, that we would serve, that we would serve through the different ministries in our churches, the different places that we can serve. But I pray that we would have a servant heart where we are taking forth in, and with our families and with our kids. Lord, give us a heart of servanthood where we can lead our families to serve those around us. And Lord, I pray that you would prompt our hearts, prompt my heart, Lord, for those three people that are going to come to my mind today that I'm going to write down and be able to be in fervent, uh, deep, constant prayer for. Lord, I pray that you would give those to me today. Be with all of those that are listening today on our podcast. And Lord, we are thankful for your many blessings in our life, Lord. We are thankful for your son, Jesus. Lord, we are thankful that we have this opportunity to spend a few minutes focusing our heart and mind on you. Lord, we love you and we need you. In your name we pray. Amen. You can also be in prayer uh, for Lifeline and the ministries of Lifeline. This week we are praying for the countries um, around the world but that we do adoption in. But specifically, we want to be praying for our adoptive parents. Um, and this week, we want to be praying for our adoptive parents as they get prepared for adoption. We need to see more adoptive parents come forward to adopt. And so today, um, we would like to ask you to pray with us to see more adoptive parents come forward, um, those both domestically uh, that want to adopt domestically and those that want to adopt internationally, that they would come forward, that they would um, see this calling um, to care for a child, to advocate for a child through adoption, to bring that child in their home, and not only just to give them a roof over their head and a home, but to, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them, to disciple them and to grow them up in Jesus. So let's take just a couple minutes and pray for adoptive families. Lord, I pray that you would give us um, people in our path that may be interested in adoption today. I pray through our churches that we would be able to raise the banner and, and, and advocate for children around the world that are in need of families. Lord, today, bring families that are interested in domestic adoption, that have a heart for birth parent ministry, that want to pour their lives into a birth parent. Lord, today I pray for the families that want to choose international adoption, that have a heart for a country around the world that they want to to pour into and they want to see a child come into a family that is in need of a family. Because there are many children around the world that are in need of families today. And that, Lord, we want to pray for new prospective adoptive parents to call Lifeline and to be a part of this ministry to see uh, a child come into a family that doesn't have one and to see that child loved and cared for. Lord, I pray that you would lead us to be a vessel of hope for uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ today. And I pray for more adoptive parents to choose to come. We love you, Lord. We thank you. Amen. If you know of an adoptive parent, you can point them to our website, lifelinechild.org. You can point them to info at lifelinechild.org as an email address or tell them to call 
uh, 205-967-0811. We'd love to get them information if you know someone that is interested in becoming an adoptive parent through Lifeline. So thanks, everybody. Uh, This is the end of the Defender Podcast for this week. We look forward to uh, talking to you next week. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.